to combine our typical eating patterns with more fruit intake is just game changing. Welcome to the Be Rad Podcast, where we explore ways to pursue peak performance with passion throughout life without taking ourselves too seriously. I'm Brad Kearns, New York Times bestselling author, former number three world-ranked professional triathlete, and Guinness World Record Masters athlete. I connect with experts in diet, fitness, and personal growth and deliver short breather shows where you get simple, actionable tips to improve your life right away. Let's explore beyond the hype, hacks, shortcuts, and sciency talk to laugh, have fun, and appreciate the journey. It's time to be rad. I want to discuss the incredible benefits of red light therapy and how you can get started with Mito Red Light. Mito, like mitochondria, red light makes the premier light therapy devices in the world and at incredibly affordable prices. I stand in front of my Mito Pro 1500 unit every morning, carefully exposing my eyeballs, other important balls, and my entire body to special wavelengths of red and near for red light. When I tell people about my daily devotion to red light therapy, they typically ask, does this stuff really work? And the answer is yes. And there are thousands of studies supporting its effectiveness. Here's how. It's called photobiomodulation where specific wavelengths of red and near-infrared light, red's visible, near-infrared is not visible, that's why it looks like only half of your panel's working, these wavelengths help mitochondria in cells throughout your body produce more energy and clear waste products more efficiently. Red light exposure helps mobilize nitric oxide trapped in the mitochondria and allows oxygen to return to the cell and increase ATP production. The benefits are proven again and again for skin health, muscle recovery, joint pain, and numerous inflammatory conditions. Red light therapy is also beneficial for circadian rhythm alignment because we generally get far too little direct sunlight and too much indoor blue light from screens and light bulbs at the wrong times. You don't hear much about this benefit of red light therapy, but when I turn on those lights, first thing in the morning. As soon as I wake up, I walk across the hall, I stand in front of the panels, and I feel instantly awake and energized. And believe me, there's a lot of days where Mr. Health Guy here wakes up feeling a little groggy and a little whiny, like I don't want to get up now and get into my morning exercise routine. But when I stand in front of the lights, in one minute, I swear I feel wide awake. I get all that grogginess out naturally. It's super powerful, super effective, besides all the healing and the cellular benefits. I also love it for being a natural wake-up machine. You have to try red light therapy. I am certain that you will become a devoted user. And guess what? Mito Red Light offers a 60-day no-risk trial period and a special 5% discount for BRAD podcast listeners. Just visit Mito Red Light, M-I-T-O, redlight.com, and use the code BRAD on any of their products. Go for it today and get started on your red light journey. Hey, listeners, it's time for another long lost Q&A and listener comment show. And we have some lively, interesting commentary to cover Oh, so many pages of stuff. I'm sorry I'm uh, backed up, haven't done a show in a while, but we're going to get through some cool topics, insights, sharing, posing thoughtful questions, and hopefully it will be of value to you. We're going to lead off with Scott Belanger, who's going for peak performance at age 59, like me. Okay, I'm 58, but you know, in the 50 plus category, still trying hard. And Scott makes a really important point about our precise use of uh, language when uh, he points out that on Dr. Lustig's interview, he repeatedly said unprocessed carbs. And I mention this because I hear so many people frequently say carbs, lumping both processed carbs and natural, nutritious, unprocessed carbs into the same category. And this is Scott. Uh, I mean, unprocessed carbs have the fiber matrix, so I'm not inc- I'm not afraid to include healthy, real food carbs in my diet. 
as opposed to, of course, our uh, excellent recommendation for all of us to stay away from uh, especially excess intake of highly refined processed carbs, such as the foods in the grain category that don't have much nutrition and can cause real problems as we're all familiar with, with gluten. That was me editorializing. And then back to Scott, I like your podcast very much, but honestly, I think that even you could mention this more often. It's very confusing with all the nutrition advice out there. So a uh, point taken. And when we uh, banter the term carbs around to describe a group of foods, we should be much more precise. Thank you, Scott. And Scott continues, I start my day uh, most every morning with Greek yogurt, strawberries, blueberries, some California walnuts, uh, the B-Rad whey protein isolate powder with a little cinnamon. I love it. I've grown tired of the nutrition zealots who continually push their personal one way of doing it on us. I function best with plenty of healthy carbs, lots of protein, and low to moderate amounts of fat. That's just me. Hey, guess what? I had recent blood work. It came back very good, so I'm happy. <laughs> um, let's be careful of people who are pushing their dietary agenda, realizing that's not one size fits all. Um, thank you so much for your work, Brad. And you mentioned uh, your increased intake of fruit. So can you share what kinds of fruit you're eating? And I answered, Scott, uh, sure, I'm finding whatever's at the farmer's market, of course, uh, failing the farmer's market. I love going to Trader Joe's because they have the pre-cut things like pineapple, uh, pomegranate seeds ready for purchase. And I love cutting up fruit and spending time in the kitchen, but I also love stuff that's already prepared for me where I can create this uh, fantastic custom recipe fruit salad that was shared with me by uh, my longtime family friend and longtime listener, Michael Ives, super healthy guy in his 70s. And uh, oh my gosh, he served me a bowl of this fruit salad. It was sensational. So besides whatever fresh fruits are available to make your fruit salad, uh, his recipe includes little bits of uh, raw ginger thrown in there, uh, some crushed up walnuts, a little drizzle of honey, freshly squeezed lemon. And then if desired, you can also put in uh, some full fat yogurt uh, to mix in. So it's a little bit uh, of white colored, but boy, when you mix that all together, I'm now bringing that as my signature dish to bring to gatherings and everybody loves it. <gasps> Horrors, all those carbs. What do you do about that, Brad? Yes, back to question number one from Scott. Let's call it natural nutritious carbs instead of lumping it together with our excess intake of ultra processed carbs. Carbs And Scott down in the desert, the Palm Springs area of Southern California, he is going to town with a great selection of fruit uh, because of the nice agriculture around there. So he's reporting that he eats blackberries, raspberries, blueberries, persimmons, mangoes, pears, cantaloupe, grapefruit, and avocados. And unlike most people uh, on the planet, uh, much of that uh, bounty is locally grown because of the great uh, desert conditions. It's also the date growing capital of the world. And I'm so uh, kicking myself now uh, for uh, subscribing to uh, years of commentary bashing dates as the most sugary fruit of all of them. So definitely stay away from dates and dried fruit. And now I will report that uh, dates are a centerpiece of that recipe. I forgot to include uh, chopped up dates going into the fruit salad recipe. And I've also taken to enjoying uh, 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 ample consumption of dried fruit throughout the day as a go-to snack. Um, much credit to Jay Feldman on this note, because he's the guy from our four podcast episodes, you're probably familiar, where he is advocating drinking things like orange juice in the morning and enjoying dried fruit as a great source of carbohydrate energy. And so before I sit down to a meal, for example, in the morning, uh, before I do my uh, morning exercise routine, I'll throw down a little bit of dried fruit. I have bags in my automobile. So when I'm driving around, I'll reach for some dried fruit, especially on long drives where I might be pounding the entire bag of dried fruit. And I'm no longer scared, silly about consuming uh, even the most high sugar fruits and even the dried fruits. And of course, I'm getting really high quality dried fruit without the sulfates. So um uh, you know, you can find those at farmer's market or quality natural foods market. 
uh, and Scott adds, and I think this is in response to some of my commentary on the shows about um, triggering more hunger signals uh, in concert with increasing my carbohydrate intake and decreasing my fasting. Scott says, I find it delightful to be hungry again, as I too have added in many more healthy, nutritious carbs instead of the high fatty foods. Also, my digestion is better. Uh, thank you so much for that great message. And now we go to Joel. Uh, we're going to call this a success story. Hey, Brad, I want to send a big, big thanks for driving home the energy balance theme over the, the previous summer of 22. Uh, after listening to you, Mike Mutzel, Ryan Baxter, that was my uh, primal health coach and uh, guest on the BRAD podcast talking about his very highly quantified food intake experiment where Ryan consumed an additional 700 calories per day of natural nutritious calories, carbs, proteins, and fats. And he did this experiment for one year. And at the end of the year, he weighed the same. His body composition was almost identical, maybe a tiny bit better uh, through DEXA scan. So everything was highly quantified. Unlike Brad Kearns talking to you about how I'm enjoying more fruit and dried fruit and I feel great and my body composition is the same. Here's Ryan doing an actual, I mean, scientific level experiment coming out with the same body composition despite consuming 700 additional calories per day for an entire year. It begs the question, what the heck did he do with those calories? And the only sensible answer is that they contributed to a more active energetic lifestyle where arguably he performed a little bit better, recovered a little bit faster, and was generally more active, alert, and energetic throughout the day because he was fueling his body appropriately and achieving maximum cellular energy status at all times. This is a massive wake-up call for anyone who's been entrenched in the uh, world of restrictive dieting in pursuit of peak performance. So we know the wonderful, tremendous benefits of fasting and keto and other such strategies for fat reduction or for correcting metabolic dysfunction, largely driven by consuming too many calories uh, of the process manner. And so all that stuff is great. I don't have to retract anything that Mark Sisson and I have written in our many books about fasting, keto, and other such strategies. But when you're pursuing peak performance, the idea of nourishing your body with, as Dr. Tommy Wood uh, emphasized to me many years ago, nourishing your body with the maximum amount of nutritious calories rather than the minimum. He advocated eating as much nutritious food as possible until you add a pound of excess body fat. And that's when you dial it back and realize that you have hit your sweet spot for nutritional intake. So in Ryan Baxter's case, that was 700 additional calories per day that fueled active energetic performance and recovery without throwing on as predicted by some silly metabolic calculator that he should have gained, well, what's 700 calories times 365? <laughs> That's, you know, uh, uh, you know, 20 pounds of excess body fat, uh, but it didn't happen. And so the body is a dynamic machine when you fuel it appropriately. And Tommy Wood asking you going up to the max rather than dabbling in different stress, potentially stressful strategies. Boy, what a great uh, eye-opener. So I'm glad Joel is writing in uh, you know, sharing some success. Joel says, I've added a hundred or so grams per day, mostly fruit, honey, and white rice on top of my usual daily uh, caloric intake. Usually it looks like fruit and or honey with my breakfast and lunch. And if we have rice or potatoes for dinner, I'll take a larger portion. For some context, I've never measured ketone levels or tried getting into ketosis. And I've mostly stuck to the primal blueprint approach for the past seven and a half years. That means I have somewhere between 100 and 150 grams of carbs per day historically in the form of vegetables and rice. Uh, but I might find some uh, pizza or naan or tortillas going in there too, since I eat with the family. Um, Continuing with uh, Joel's letter, I didn't take up running and fitness until several years after adopting a primal approach. So training's always been low carb. I haven't experimented much other than with race day fueling with gels and so forth for half marathons and even 50K. So far, my experiment to increase uh, by about 100 or so grams per day of additional carbs in the fruit of in the form of fruit, honey, and white rice 
So far, he says it's going really well. My heart rate is noticeably lower throughout the day. And one big difference appears to be better sleep at night measured by recalling my dreams. It's been almost every night that I recall my dreams for the last three weeks. Very uncommon for me. <laughs> That's very uncommon for me too, Joel. So maybe I should eat even more carbohydrates. I never remember my dreams. It's kind of frustrating. I know I dream, but I don't have those recollections with people where they wake up or they say, oh my gosh, my dream was so amazing. It was you, me, and uh, Dupree. And we were uh, driving in a red vehicle down the highway and uh, stopped at the cliff. I'm like, what are you talking about? I never have that detailed recollection. But that's an interesting insight from Joel. Um, Joel uh, continues, it turns out I was more stressed than I knew and eating more food and more carbs seems to have helped a lot. And you're a big factor in that decision. So thank you. Awesome letter from Joel. I appreciate that, man. That's cool. And how about that insight about a noticeably lower heart rate throughout the day? So this might suggest that he is uh, kicking into better sympathetic to parasympathetic balance uh, assisted by the a consumption of a, a optimal or more optimal amount of carbohydrates, thereby negating the need to kick into gluconeogenesis so frequently, which is part of the stress response, the sympathetic uh, nervous system response, which could result in a higher heart rate. So the lower heart rate is possibly potentially driven by increased carbohydrate intake. Boy, you don't hear insights like that too much when we hit that mainstream dogma and those points over and over, especially when we're doing that blanket condemnation of all carbs or calling them evil and associating better health with reducing overall carb intake. We definitely have to uh, clean up our uh, dialogue in this note. Awesome letter. Thanks, Joel. Keep it up. Here's Rusty. Boy, interesting how uh, the first several questions are all on this same topic of uh, optimizing cellular energy status, Ryan Baxter's experiment and so forth. So he says, I watched your Ryan Baxter video. All stressors seem to converge on a nexus of the glucocorticoids. That is, any stress will raise glucagon, adrenaline, and cortisol. It appears to be quite a fragile system, and when deranged, the body will have to rely on a reserve backup system, namely fat oxidation. Um, episodes one through seven on Jay Feldman Energy Balance podcast are great for context. Indeed, they are, and I would uh, recommend people who enjoyed my interview with Jay Feldman to go over to the Energy Balance podcast and binge on his first seven episodes uh, with great contribution from Jay's frequent sidekick, uh, Mike Fave, on the show. Those guys talk through it. There's a lot of scientific uh, jargon, but they do a great job explaining it step-by-step, step, bouncing off each other, and will get you really uh, heightened awareness about, especially the uh, the topic that Rusty's talking about, uh, where the uh, the glucocorticoid system, the stress response system is kicking into gear um, from all forms of stress, I think is what Rusty's saying. So uh, when you're spiking things like adrenaline, cortisol, and glucagon, and if you don't know glucagon, that is the counter-regulatory hormone to insulin. So glucagon mobilizes energy from storage. That includes both fat and includes uh, carbohydrate, uh, taking uh, glycogen and converting it into glucose to be burned for energy. So glucagon is the energy mobilization hormone and insulin is often referred to as the energy storage hormone. Uh, technically, for those listeners, insulin is the anti-catabolic hormone. In other words, it prevents um, uh, energy from leaving the storage depots. So it could be uh, reasonably assumed to be uh, the energy storage hormone uh, for, for practical purposes. Uh, but it's really interesting to um, pull all these insights together and realize that um, it's stress mechanisms, even things like burning body fat, which we uh, laud as the highest form of health, is another example of uh, the body's stress response kicking into gear, spiking glucagon, adrenaline, and cortisol, 
and mobilizing uh, stored fat from energy. So if you're walking around with excess body fat, yes, you want to kick into stress mechanisms to help burn off that excess body fat and get down to your ideal body weight, perhaps get your blood work regulated. Uh, we know high triglycerides being such a prominent heart disease and metabolic disease risk factor. And amazingly, you can correct your triglyceride levels in a very, very short time. Uh, by cutting back on excess food intake, excess sugar intake, excess insulin production. So if you're in that um, uh, energy toxicity state, of course you want to kick into body fat burning state. But as an active, energetic, high-performing human that has good blood work and has a decent body composition, we might want to reflect further uh, on some of these insights and strive for better energy balance, as Jay might mention. Um, the other thing I'd like to point out here, and I answered this in writing to Rusty, is the uh, great counterpoint advanced by Mark Sisson. We did an entire podcast largely dedicated to this topic where I said, Mark, man, my head's blowing up here. What do you think? What's going on? I've been highly influenced by Tommy Wood, Jay Feldman, Mike Mutzel, and others talking about rethinking the need for fasting in healthy, energetic individuals and the stress response that occurs when you deprive your body of calories and how that stacks up on the same side of the scale as the challenging workout that you did while fasted. And Mark said, because he has developed excellent metabolic flexibility throughout the years, that uh, skipping food until 1 p.m., as Mark typically does every day, is not that stressful to him at all. It's not stressful. He has no problem. He functions optimally. He likes to mention how um, he feels like optimal caloric intake is the uh, the minimum amount minimum amount necessary to feel active, energetic, perform, recover. And so uh, we got to this weird. Um, uh, junction during the podcast where we realized that when when Mark says, what's the minimal amount of calories I need to thrive? And when Tommy Wood says, what's the maximum amount of calories you can consume without adding a pound of body fat? It really uh, denotes the same thing. So your optimal level of caloric intake of natural nutritious foods only, we're not talking about adding 700 calories a day, Ryan Baxter drinking a Slurpee in the morning and having a cupcake in the evening. That's not what this is all about. We're talking about consuming an optimal amount of natural, nutritious, easy to digest calories would be quantified by um, not <laughs> adding body fat over time and also performing and recovering optimally and not turning down some of those important metabolic and health dials such as reproduction, repair, growth, and locomotion. That's where our energy uh, systems go to. And we don't want to compromise those with things like uh, overly enthusiastic fasting or ketogenic adherence or things like that. Um, of course, this is going to be a personal experiment, but I really love the idea and shared by uh, many of the uh, the commenters so far of experimenting with adding uh, a, a bunch more fruit and more protein to your daily diet and, and seeing how you feel. And if you feel better and if you have breakthroughs and better recovery, you know you're onto something. And oh my goodness, what a huge risk factor adding a pound of body fat someday, big deal. Then you dial things back. And interestingly with me, uh, my experiment started in May of 2022, so I'm recording this a year and a half later. My body composition is the same, possibly better. My body weight is a little lower than when I started. I'm around 164, 165 pounds now. It's probably 168, 169. When I started upon this experiment to deliberately stop fasting and consume additional daily calories in all forms, especially protein and especially uh, greater servings of natural nutritious carbohydrates, especially in the form of fruit. So where have my calories gone? I contend that they have, they have gone to better reproduction, repair, growth, and locomotion. How about that to reflect upon? And when you start to uh, split hairs and have people coming back saying, well, you know, there are these great benefits of fasting. Uh, Mike Kummer was talking about how he excels at fasted workouts because he feels like he gets a little boost 
of energy and clarity from um, spiking growth hormone and all those, and also keeping your stomach empty when you're doing some uh, especially uh, impact or uh, you know load bearing activity, of course, is an important factor in your performance. So all those points are well taken. Uh, but my big picture, uh, my, my urge here is for you to definitely at all times, keep in mind the difference between what is possible and what is optimal. So when Brad Kearns, your host here was, uh, working intensively on the keto reset diet project with Mark Sisson, we went full bore, uh, all in on the project and experimented with a ketogenic diet for the first time. So I was uh, doing prolonged periods of fasting. I was pricking my finger to get my blood ketone levels and my glucose levels several times a day. I was going and doing a workout and then coming home and having a ketogenic aligned meal with only minimal amounts of carbohydrates. And I was doing okay, uh, but I'd have these crash and burn episodes, let's say uh, 12, 24, or even 36 hours after, let's say, my sprint workout, a lot of fasting, and some ketogenic meals. And I contend that the overall stress impact of jumping into the ketogenic diet, as well as trying to perform at a high level, as well as being in the older age groups, was overly stressful for my body. And the response was these uh, bouts of uh, fatigue where I uh, suddenly needed, uh, intensely needed a nap or wasn't quite recovering as well as I might have from my sprint workouts. And also, interestingly enough, waking up in the morning with elevated fasting, fasted blood glucose levels. So in my uh, diary that I kept in detail for many months while working on the project, of course, I don't do this stuff now. I can't be bothered, <laughs> but it was kind of fun at the time. I was pulling uh, blood glucose numbers like 131, 118, 133, 124, 109, 118, 98, 132. That was my morning fasted blood glucose readings. And if you're familiar with glucose, uh, the doctors definitely want to see you under 100. Uh, when you start drifting up into 120, 130, you're considered pre-diabetic. I believe over 140 uh, is a classic definition of a type 2 diabetic or just about to be uh, declared a type 2 diabetic. So what was going on with me when I can reflect on <laughs> taking that test and seeing a 133 and thinking back, well, let's see, I'm fasted 15 hours here. And the previous meal before that was a steak and uh, a couple stalks of broccoli and some dark chocolate. And the previous meal before that was a huge salad. So I haven't had a carb to speak of. I haven't had many carbs for, you know, uh, nearly 24 hours and I still have high blood glucose levels. That was a stress response. My body making sufficient amounts of glucose or even extra amounts of glucose due to the stressful nature of my experiment and my uh, continued application of high stress explosive, uh, high glycolytic workouts. That's high glucose burning workouts. The body is going to respond and try as hard as it can to keep you going and keep you out there on the track. In my case, by converting lean muscle tissue into glucose, a gluconeogenesis is the term for this stress mechanism. And we do not want that. Jay Feldman makes a excellent point on uh, several of his podcast interviews where he wants you to slam that uh, drink of orange juice in the morning to turn down stress hormone production. Because as soon as we wake up, we get a desirable spike of glucose, a desirable spike of serotonin, and a suppression of melatonin to help us uh, feel alert and energized. We also get the um, uh, dropping of uh, adenosine, uh, which is what coffee does in an accelerated manner. And adenosine uh, builds over the day and makes you feel sleepy at night. So we want adenosine to drop in the morning so we feel alert. We want cortisol and serotonin to spike in the morning so we feel alert, but we don't want to overdo it with this morning spike by, for example, going out there and busting ass on your busy day, whether it's um, you know high cognitive demand or just hectic commute and kids schedule getting them off to school, or whether it's going in and throwing some plates around at your CrossFit session without uh, instant access, carbohydrate and protein uh, nourishment. Um, I love listening to 
uh, highly regarded protein expert, Dr. Don Lehman saying that uh, first thing in the morning is a really important time to consume protein because your body's been fasted overnight. And if you weren't to consume protein right away, you can easily drift into a catabolic state. Remember there's three states, anabolic, that's uh, muscle building, metabolic, which is neutral and just processing energy. And then catabolic is breaking down energy. So we want to guard against catabolic state by having a hit of protein in the morning. And he also recommends taking a hit of protein uh, at the end of the day, of course, not right before bed. Although my high performing son, who's got a ton of muscle mass and works out really hard, will slam a giant protein smoothie right before bed and ensuring that he doesn't uh, you know, adversely affect his performance and recovery from his very challenging uh, strength building workouts. Okay. Uh, so I mentioned Sisson's counterpoint where he would probably say, no, I do not need a hit of your protein scoop in the morning. Thank you anyway for the free bag, Brad. But uh, he's so highly efficient that he believes that he's not in uh, a catabolic state because of his metabolic flexibility and the fact that he's burning uh, body fat as his primary source of energy and not needing to kick into gluconeogenesis to get sugar. Okay, so... Um, there you go. But I think for most of us who might not have the ultimate level of metabolic flexibility, who might have high stress lifestyle patterns, um, the introduction, the devoted inclusion of both protein and carbohydrate, uh, possibly, quite possibly in the morning, could be a very big winning ticket for you, a very big experiment that has potential for success. I want to tell you about wildhealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine what you need for nutrition, exercise, sleep, and supplements, and you can experiment, consult, and retest to get everything dialed in. You'll get a cutting-edge epigenetic test of DNA methylation to calculate your all-important biological age and have fun lowering your age over time instead of following the mainstream path to accelerated aging. It's time to strive for awesome instead of just normal. Did you realize that only 6.8% of Americans are deemed metabolically healthy and only 2% are declared optimal? That's disgraceful, but you can turn things around quickly. Please visit wildhealth.com and you will see that this is the absolute gold standard of personalized medicine and it's available to you right now. Telemedicine available anywhere in the USA. Wild Health is generously extending BRAD podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com slash Brad or use the code BRAD20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com slash Brad. Angela's over there in the UK writing in. Uh, I recently listened to you, Brad, on the Trail Runner Nation podcasts. My boys, Don and Scott, Don Freeman and Scott Ward, the co-hosts of Trail Runner, very popular ultra running podcasts. I've been on there a few times and we hit it hard. So if you want to listen to a new podcast, if you're uh, fond of ultra endurance running, uh, check those guys out if you haven't already. Uh, but Angela says, uh, you guys were talking about nutrition and it literally, literally blew my mind and made so much sense at the same time. My husband and I definitely feel better on a keto type diet, but I was really struggling to mix it in with my ultra marathon training. And it felt like I was just punishing myself to combine our typical eating patterns with more fruit intake is just game changing. I love fruit. It literally feels like you can taste all that yummy goodness and makes eating a pleasure and not a chore to force down endless broccoli. I've only been doing it a few days, but I actually feel better already. And I just wanted to say massive thank yous from over here on this side of the pond. All right, Angela, keep it up. And next comes Sarah. 
Hi, Brad. I recently discovered your podcast. And I'm getting so much great information. Thank you. I have a question I was hoping you could answer. Is there any benefit to having sugar before a workout, such as the product Liquid IV, where they talk about their cellular transport technology as uh, the, the tagline on the, on the uh, label? They say... It's a delivery system that helps water and other beneficial nutrients get absorbed into the bloodstream faster. I do like drinking liquid IV, uh, their matcha energy multiplier before workouts, but I want to make sure their claim is legit in regards to the sugar content. Interesting here is that studies strongly validate that a bit of glucose, sodium, and other electrolytes will actually speed the gastric emptying rate of fluid in your digestive tract and improve hydration. So this is not a new insight. This was the foundation of what Gatorade uh, was built on back in the 70s, where they uh, did plenty of research and were able to contend that including uh, glucose, sugar calories, and electrolytes in a beverage will improve hydration in comparison to plain water. And it's virtually undisputed in exercise physiology community that indeed a solution of the correct percentage of sugar to uh, overall uh, volume will help uh, the fluid empty the stomach faster and get to the uh, target uh, organs and tissues. So that's pretty cool where you can have the justification for adding a bit of sweet to your beverage and it will indeed improve hydration. Uh, same with sodium. You always want to have the correct uh, sodium to fluid balance when you consume beverages. And so this idea that you can go and slam a gallon of water after a hot, sweaty workout and hydrate optimally is going to be a challenge because your body's really, really good at regulating sodium balance in the body. It's super important. We know about the uh, immediate and severe health risks prompted by uh, hyponatremia. And that is, um, you know, you can you can pass out and 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 go into a coma. And so, overhydrating can be uh, fatal in some uh, famous cases of people that were doing uh, radio station water drinking contests, where who could drink a gallon the fastest, or whatever terrible tragedies that have happened. So, hyponatremia was brought into mainstream attention, especially by Dr. Timothy Noakes and his studies with marathon runners. And so, the key takeaway here is that for every eight ounces of fluid you drink, like a glass of water, um, you want to have somewhere around a pinch of salt in there to help your body absorb and retain that hydration rather than just pee it out, which is what's going to happen if you chug a bunch of water without especially without the proper uh, sodium balance. And so the uh, many array of electrolyte hydration drinks are taking advantage of this highly validated research and including uh, things like glucose calories in there and uh, sodium, magnesium, potassium, and the important electrolytes. Speaking of all the products mentioned, B-Rad Nutrition is coming out very soon with a fantastic new hydration drink that we are calling Superfruits. And it is 100% organic tropical fruit powder of the most nutrient-dense uh, exotic fruits in the world, uh, sourced directly from uh, the tropics, uh, validated to be organic. So you are mixing uh, powdered fruit into water, shaking it up, and you're getting literally nature's perfect energy drink. So there's a lot of laboratory derived formulas where they're putting in whatever solutions uh, and, and calling it an energy drink. And certainly these are vastly superior to drinking plain water for the reasons I just explained. Uh, but as we started to consider introducing this product into our product line, I have been uh, really uh, captivated by the goal of being as natural as possible rather than having another laboratory-derived formula. So you are getting a bunch of uh, juice with uh, fruit like Camu Camu, which has 300% of the daily vitamin C requirement by itself. And you'll hear a lot more information about the BRAD superfruit electrolyte and hydration natural beverage coming very soon. Okay, here comes Sharice. 
Hey, Brad, I'm starting to listen and read more of your stuff lately, and I'm really enjoying it. It helps me to stay on track, uh, even if I don't follow every single recommendation. And it's so easy to get off track. So just the uh, repetition and the reminders is great. Um, I like to keep it simple, uh, stay organic, keep up with the protein intake, which is hard for me and a lot of other females. And I really appreciate it just uh, hearing the message often and helping the brain uh, retain that muscle memory, especially when shopping and deciding what to eat at the meals. Thanks, Sharice. And you're doing great. A super fit female up in Lake Tahoe, my pal. So thanks for writing in. Here comes uh, Sean. Hey, Brad, I have a question. I'm 47 years old. I've been dieting traditional ways. I've been dieting uh, traditional uh, diet, and I have heaps of uh, strength training uh, thrown in. As I've gotten older, I've gotten fatter and more out of shape with low mood and low energy. I want to take my health back, but I'm stuck on how to start. I see things like keto and intermittent fasting. And then I hear that the exact opposite could be better. What would you suggest? Hey, Sean, thanks for writing in. And what I would suggest is that first step is that desire and that awareness. So you are kicking butt already by writing in to the BRAD podcast. It shows that you want to make a correction and that you're aware of uh, your declining uh, fitness and health levels. So the first step to turning it around is saying, okay, I got a problem here. I'm going to emphasize it. I'm going to prioritize it. And so we are in the door. You have you have been able to enter the room. Welcome and welcome all other listeners who might want to make a change and improve. We are here to help you. And so to keep it simple, just like Sharice reminded us on the last message, um, the first thing I'm going to say is to ditch processed foods. So just cleaning up your act is the necessary first step for any sort of healthy lifestyle, uh, physique, transformation. And before uh, we talk about anything else relating to diet and even perhaps relating to exercise fitness goals, we got to uh, rid the, the cupboards, the fridge, and the uh, behavior patterns from these uh, this unfettered access to indulgent foods, which is uh, the disasters uh, of modern uh, culture here. Uh, I like how Dr. Lane Norton uh, describes it as the energy toxicity problem. So energy toxicity, meaning that you are stuffing your face full of too much food and not burning off enough energy. And with that uh, notion presented, it also emphasizes the importance of getting moving, burning some calories, picking up some weights, doing some resistance exercise, uh, because the muscles are very good at helping clean up that uh, backed up bloodstream where you're just having uh, regular meals. Uh, you're ingesting things that are difficult to digest and process, uh, and, and that's the, the junk food, and then backing up the system and getting into fat storage mode and also the fatigue mode of not being able to burn uh, internal sources of energy efficiently. So number one, ditch processed foods. And in concert with that, instead of just starving yourself, go out there and make a devoted effort to include uh, natural, nutritious, easy to digest foods. So when we clean up our cupboards and clean out our refrigerator, <laughs> sometimes we're left with a lot of extra space. And I really think it's important to front load your success here by preparing uh, healthy, nutritious, satisfying meals instead of just uh, waiting around until you get hungry and then becoming extremely vulnerable to reaching for those comfort foods, those quick energy foods, and getting uh, stuck back into the negative spiral. And then when it comes to uh, fitness. I'm not going to give any more advice except for those two big hitting items. Uh, we want to try for this um, uh, sensible, under the radar type, type strategy where you're not going out there and going from uh, uh, inactive to uh, kicking butt at these super challenging workouts because that's going to be uh, very high risk of being unsustainable. So we want to get moving uh, more in, in general everyday life starting with walking as the centerpiece, walking in your Paluva shoes would be great. Just walk around the block, don't push it, but you're getting the heart rate up, you're into that training zone, you're teaching your body to burn fat by comfortable, low intensity 
general movement, walking and other forms of exercise. Uh, it could also include uh, yoga and formal practices in there, and also brief breaks from prolonged periods of stillness during the workday, uh, such as getting up and uh, doing a few calisthenics or walking up and down a couple flights of stairs, just getting moving more in everyday life before we go and set you up with some advanced and potentially uh, very stressful fitness protocol. Of course, the workouts are going to deliver tremendous uh, fitness body composition benefits, but we want to take these things slowly and carefully and gently uh, by getting around and moving more, walking more. How about that? Maybe I'll just cut it right there. Just get rid of the junk foods, walk around more in daily life, and then we'll come back and listen to more content and uh, attack uh, the next steps, which of course would be um, optimizing sleep and throwing in some brief explosive high intensity exercise, things like that, but not before we hit those centerpiece items. Okay, here comes Michael Ames. Hey, Brad, one of your best podcasts yet with the Jay Feldman uh, episode number four. There's so much to explore in the space between your two worldviews that can lead to healthier outcomes for all of us listeners. I can tell by the way you listen to Jay and ask questions that you are really paying attention and helping us all learn more about nutrition and stress. Thank you for that compliment. I hope the host is paying attention. It's really, honestly, such a privilege to connect with my guests that I am it is excited every single time. That really is the best part is uh, being able to have that direct connection, uh, whether it's through the screen or especially in person. And finally, uh, after uh, talking to Jay Feldman so much uh, from his remote location in Central America, he flew into town and uh, we had a podcast binge here in Northern California when he went to see Power Project, did a great show with those guys. And we recorded that episode number four in person. Um, I found it fascinating, says Michael, to hear how we look at some things like exercise, sleep, and sunlight uh, and, and think, hey, why would you limit yourself in these areas? You know, we want to get enough sleep. We want to get enough exercise. We want to get enough, enough sunlight. But as Michael points out, with food, there always seems to be some sort of restriction. Why don't we look at food the same way we look at sleep? Enough of this deprivation mindset. No need to reply. I just felt moved to check in. What a great point. And it takes us right back to um, Dr. Tommy Wood, also one of my favorite podcast guests. So I think we have three shows on there uh, dating way back. It's been a while since we connected uh, for an interview. It's about time for another one, especially want to visit his amazing boxer dogs that are uh, top-notch performers there in uh, the Washington area. He's a professor at uh, University of Washington. But that simple, sensible advice to eat as much nutritious food as possible and fuel your body for an active, energetic lifestyle. Yeah, forget the deprivation mindset. Enough already. Okay, Mike Catlin, frequent commenter, always insightful and interesting. Uh, Mike says, one of the things you mentioned was about eating fruit for carbohydrate energy and peak athletic pursuits and eating it year round. Uh, until some paleo ancestor said, hey, let's go see what's beyond 35th parallel north. Guess what? Our ancestors probably had fruit nearly all the time. And this is such an awesome insight for Mike to share and point out. And we don't hear about it enough. We hear often about uh, the ancestral alignment where we don't want to eat fruit during the winter time, and we hear about how our ancestors endured these uh, dark, long, cold, harsh winters by going into ketosis, and that's why it's really good for us to go into ketosis today, especially during the winter months, and I'm calling bullshit on a lot of that story, especially because we have neutralized many of the descriptive aspects of that long, dark, cold, harsh winter because we have comfortable internal environments. We have year-round access to all manner of foods. And we also are going and uh, turning the lights on so that we artificially lengthen our days so that they are aligned with the long days of summer year-round. And then to add on top of that insight, Look, uh, humans evolved, uh, we, we branched out uh, 2 million years ago and eventually became homo sapiens. Um, we've often cited the, uh, the date 200,000 years ago. I'm also hearing people say 300,000 years ago, but somewhere around 200,000 years ago, uh, the appearance of the first uh, anatomically uh, modern homo sapiens came along. 
So uh, we know before that time, our ancestors were largely uh, equatorial. And so we, we, we were in Africa and likely had access to a lot of carbohydrates year round. Um, 200,000 years ago came the first modern Homo sapiens and Homo sapiens did not even try to leave Africa. The first exodus came 60,000 years ago. Um, it was uh, unsuccessful. There was a couple bouts and turnarounds. Uh, Homo sapiens finally emigrated east, contrary to a uh, popular notion that we uh, went from Africa right up to Europe. We actually went all the way over to uh, Asia, Australia, Indonesia area, and then backtracked uh, along the coast is where we evolved and, and immigrated, uh, migrated. And then finally, I think it was uh, oh, 30 or 40,000 years ago was our first foray north past those uh, 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 tropical parallels and then pushing pushing north, 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 way up all the way to the polar regions, uh, modern day Scandinavia and so forth. Um, so, you know, you think about that as a small blip on the timeline of the human evolution where we even had to deal with long, dark, cold, harsh winters. Okay, so uh, continuing with Mike, um, you know, he mentions that in the primal blueprint, uh, Mark says uh, genetic change takes a long time, like 40 to 70,000 years. So when we talk about humans being default low carb because our ancestors were low carb, especially in the winter, that's technically inaccurate. And we have a lot of timeline for humans to evolve to digest carbs effectively. Um, furthermore, our early ancestors, says Mike, were not putting forth unnecessary physical activity unless there was a darn good reason for it. So they weren't in that carb-burning chronic cardio mode, nor the carb-burning mode of hectic, high-stress, high-stimulatory modern life. Remember, the brain is the most ravenous organ of all consuming 20% of our daily calories just for the brain. And the brain runs primarily or exclusively on glucose, except in rare occasions where um, an individual is making ketones or burning a little bit of lactate. And so the brain is a sugar burning beast. And when we have that intensified brain function all day long, uh, we have that high requirement for carbs, perhaps uh, in contrast to our ancestors who also, I also don't hear this one talked about much. This is not from Mike's letter, but uh, going hand in hand with Mike's insight about the, uh, the, the migration up to the parallels happening recently. Um, it's also quite possible that a significant number of our ancestors were very, very successful with their hunting and gathering. So uh, this this romanticization of the strong, powerful, resilient ancestor hunting down the game uh, to survive during the long, dark, cold, harsh winter. We might have had dudes that were out there laying on the rocks, uh, inventing a net, catching a shit ton of fish, sharing it with the clan, and having plenty of free time to reproduce and grow the population without having to lift a finger and build big, strong muscles and resilient uh, ketogenic manufacturing systems. That's another interesting insight to reflect upon a bit. Okay. Um, and I think that is the, uh, the end of Mike's insight paired on with my contentions where um, we maybe want to back off with this uh, romanticized notion that our ancestors are fat burning machines and that carbs are evil today. Okay. Uh, the next comment comes from, oh, sorry, don't have the name. Oh, it might be Jay Dominig, a little mixed up, but whoever it is, Brad, I love your show. I recently started listening. I have a 16 year old son who's ready to put on muscle for football and we want to know if you have any recommendations for supplements, protein, creatine for safe, effective, efficient muscle and weight gain. He's 5'11", 155. Um, it looks like his frame could add an additional 50 pounds of muscle pretty easily. His coaches have encouraged him to get to 180 by next year's football and wrestling season. Thanks for any input you have. No health issues. And um, I am a dentist, so I know that whatever you say is not going to be construed as medical advice. So to the young football lad, 
oh man, my first uh, sassy quip would be to possibly rethink the desperate need to participate in football. I'm not a huge fan of youth or high school football because I believe the injury risk is so high and I'm disappointed that it is still the centerpiece of culture in America. And I would love to see uh, sweeping modifications such as switching high school football to what they call passing league, which is what the football players do in the summertime where they wear shorts and they have flags and they have these seven on seven tournaments, which are really fun and exciting to watch because it's the quarterback throwing to a bunch of receivers who are being guarded by uh, defensive players. And you don't have that smashing of the helmets um, and the uh, miniature concussions, not to mention the major concussions that occur in high school football. So um, that's my first public service announcement. And then for a young athletic person to want to gain 30 pounds, what I often see uh, in the youth world is an indiscriminate increase in calories, especially crappy processed inflammatory foods. And guess what? They gain some muscle because their hormones are ready to add muscle, but they also gain a bunch of fat and they also put in a lot of uh, uh unhealthy, ineffective fuel into their bodies. And of course, they're uh, resilient enough to handle it. But oftentimes what happens is a young person gets into that uh, high caloric consumption and uh, indiscriminate caloric consumption mode. And then the magic wears off when they turn uh, 28 or 30 and they have to deal with metabolic health conditions driven by uh, indiscriminate caloric intake. So for a young player, I would focus on, uh, you know, maximizing intake of nutritious calories to the point where they might be inhaling uh, bananas all day long. Or uh, like Andrew Zaragoza reports on the Power Project, co-host of the Power Project podcast, he consumes 10 eggs every day before heading out to his busy, active, energetic day at the super training gym, working out like a fiend, doing his jujitsu, and also hosting and mastering uh, a bunch of podcast content. So man, if I had a kid that was trying to put on 30 pounds, let's get that done with the highest quality uh, whey protein powder. Ding, ding, ding. Another public service announcement for the B-Rad whey protein plus creatine super fuel. Uh, that would be a great choice for a, a morning smoothie, an after practice smoothie, and an evening smoothie, as I mentioned, that my son is a champ at and putting those healthy, nutritious, easy to digest calories down, especially protein, so that you can trigger that muscle growth that you're working so hard to get in the gym. Um, creatine loading, as the bodybuilders used to do, is now being seen as unnecessary and potentially problematic. So I wouldn't want a high school kid slamming down uh, 25 grams of creatine every single day. There's no reason to do so, but getting a nice... Uh, 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 ambitious level every day when you're trying to go from 150 to 180, you want to be anabolic. And so if you consider B-Rad protein has three grams per scoop and a football guy is going to take three, four, five scoops a day, um, that's going to be a nice dose of creatine in there as well. Um, but you know, the more you can overload with massive consumption of foods that are approved and thumbs up for being nutritious, um, you know, have a, uh, a pound of hamburger and then make another pound because you're going to hit that an hour or two later. And then, uh, of course, kids are going to enjoy their Skittles and their hot fudge Sundays. But I really uh, cringe at the idea of football players, you know, emphasizing their donuts and their cheese puffs and whatever other garbage in the name of adding mass. Okay, how's that answer? And boy, that was some really nice, disparate, lively commentary, really hitting that point about um, rethinking restrictive dietary strategies and striving for maximum cellular energy status at all times. I encourage you to be part of the conversation, especially some of you who who wrote in and were saying, um, you know, I've only been I've been only been doing this uh, a week or so. Um, that was um, uh, 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 her name was Angela in the UK. So I'd love to hear back from. Uh, commenters and see how things are going uh, a, a few weeks or a few months or a year later. Thank you so much for listening and join the conversation podcast at bradventures.com podcast at bradventures.com. 
Q&A, success stories, comments, feedback. We love it all. We relish it. We answer everybody who uh, connects with us. And I love uh, mentioning all the comments and questions on these shows and get ready for more because we've got more. We got more in the hopper. We're never going to run out. Thanks for listening and watching. I'm pleased to present B-Rad grass-fed whey protein isolate Superfuel, the absolute highest quality all-natural protein supplement infused with creatine that delivers everything you need to optimize your appetite for fat loss, recover quickly from workouts, and build and maintain lean muscle mass, the single most important attribute for aging gracefully. Our protein comes directly from small family farms in America's dairy land of Wisconsin. It's cold processed and micro filtered for maximum bioavailability and digestibility. So please don't mess with the many cheap commodity protein supplements that are ineffective, inferior, less pure, and often contain junk sweeteners, especially the plant-based offerings that are vastly less bioavailable than the gold standard of protein supplements that's whey protein isolate. Whether you're in your peak athletic years looking to grow and recover or in the older age groups trying to delay aging and decline, whey and creatine are widely agreed to be the most critical and effective supplements to take for the rest of your life. You can easily stir the super fuel in water or make a delicious smoothie every day. I'm certain that you're going to love the pleasant, light, natural vanilla bean and cocoa bean flavors. So try some on Amazon today. It's a huge hit with dozens of five-star reviews. Or you can order direct from bradnutrition.com with our buy three, get one free, and make the super fuel a centerpiece of your daily routine. Thank you so much for listening to the BRAD podcast. We appreciate all feedback and suggestions. Email podcast at bradventures.com and visit bradkerns.com to download five free ebooks and learn some great long cuts to a longer life, how to optimize testosterone naturally, become a dark chocolate connoisseur, and transition to a barefoot and minimalist shoe lifestyle.